From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Oh, great privilege to be with you again. I am not with the whole crew this week. Uh, last week, we dedicated to kind of a revisiting of several of our key episodes in the first 50. Remember that we just recently, a month ago, celebrated our 100th episode, an anniversary. And so we decided to take you down memory lane a little bit <laughs> and uh, provide out some clips that were in our next 50 episodes. And so that's what we're going to do today. And uh, I better introduce ourselves. I'm Scott Armstrong, of course, and to my right is AJ Fry. Hey, guys. The idea of this episode is to just be able to give you a little bit of uh, these key episodes that we think are worth your time. But also for you to, I think there's two purposes, really, for you to either remember, uh, or if you're new to us, we have several people that are that have just really joined in the last 20 episodes or so that you would be able to say, Oh yeah. I mean, there, there's lots of episodes that I could go and download and, and, and find, but also use this to tell somebody else about us. Uh, 100, uh, our anniversary, episode 101, and then this episode 102 can really be awesome introductions to our entire catalog, to our entire um, uh, podcast, honestly. And so let's start with one of our, what we call scripture spotlights. This one happens to come from Revelation 7. Interesting, I'm viewing this now because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm discipling a, a young man and we're going through Revelation. I, I, the way I mentor somebody is uh, basically I just say, what are the areas you'd like to grow in? And the area, at least as far as the scriptures, he was like, I just have been always uncomfortable with mm. Revelation. Yeah, I feel like that's the general consensus. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And so I was like, okay, well, we're starting off uh, kind of brutal on this one. You know, <laughs> I don't have all the answers. Um, but we just literally a few days ago talked about this uh, passage, uh, chapter 7. And the fact that uh, Revelation teaches us, a lot of people think it teaches us uh, all about, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah. And of course, it's end times. Uh, we would call in theological circles eschatology. But it also teaches us a lot about worship. And maybe yeah. there would be some people that would say, Revelation 7, 9 to 17, that's <laughs> not a missions passage, but right. we found out, and you'll hear this clip, that yeah, it, it is. Yeah, I I do like that, that we've taken this seemingly non-missions scripture passage and and found how that God is speaking to us about his mission to the world and, and also about how, how, how to view worship. You know, we talk, I think a bit in this episode, what it means to worship and what, what that looks like. I think it's more than just standing in, in, in the church service and singing songs, although that is a part of worship, but it can be so much, so much more than that. And one of the things that, that caught me is that I think, Emily says in the episode, like if you're, if you're uncomfortable with, with worshiping in the church service, you're probably not going to be that comfortable in eternity because it's <laughs> yeah. all worship, you yeah. know? And so that's one of the things that just really captured my attention on this one. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and part of our desire is, I mean, we do this every five or six episodes where we have a, really a, a spotlight on a certain passage. And so uh, this is going to give you one of those, but man, we have a bunch of other ones. If you're preaching from certain passages, or if you'd like to know kind of what our thoughts are on certain texts, this is the way to start and this is the way to go. So let's do it. Uh, Scripture Spotlight, Revelation 7 in episode 62. 
there's a lot going on I, for, for those for those that think heaven is just like you know little angels on pillows and you know and, and, flu- and fluffy clouds I mean Hallmark has told us that right Cherubim, yeah. that, like it, it doesn't seem to be just people like fanning everyone and everyone just chilling out there's a lot going on here where do you guys want to jump in Well, I think the first thing that really jumps out to me is it's a huge group of people from everywhere speaking different languages all together in the same place. And they're all worshiping God. I just think that's that is such a cool picture, especially with a missionary call. But like it gives me hope for our denomination because we are a global denomination like we don't, and we don't just say that, like we are trying to reach all the nations. And so it's cool to think one day all of us will be together. Hmm. Think of like General Assembly and how exciting it is when you see somebody that you knew like one time who lived in Asia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's super cool. But yeah. that moment when we're all worshiping together, how cool. So awesome. There's one priority, even though there's so much diversity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I, I love the language part. Uh, several episodes ago, we talked uh, at length about languages. It grabs my attention here that it's not that we get to heaven and then there's this like one language that we all just speak. Right. Mm-hmm. There's still all different languages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we'll all understand each other, even though we all do have different languages. But I guess I would just emphasize the fact that I see that God wants diversity to be the norm. He wants different cultures to still remain different cultures, different Mm -hmm. languages to still be different languages, but for there to be unity within that diversity. Mm -hmm. That's much more powerful than just, ah, everyone gets to the same place and looks the same, talks the same, and acts the exact same. Right. So bland. (laughs) So much cooler to think that everybody is united with one cause but still like holds on to their distinction. That's a good way to say it. Well, uh, something that jumped out for me was that they were wearing the same thing. They were wearing uh, white robes. And that's, I think, although like they were different, they were from uh, different backgrounds and different cultures and everything, they were wearing one same thing. And... I don't know, I was trying to picture in my mind how would that look like. And I was reading a commentary about what uh, the white robes mean. And they said it was, well, this white robe means glory and immortality. Mm. And so that means uh, once we're there, it's because we're going to have like this eternal life. And so uh, Mm. like this clothing, that's that's what makes this clothing special, right? Mm. Like the immortality part. Even as you say that, I think of in Colossians or even Ephesians or some other places when Paul says, you have to put on the new self, you know, and Mm -hmm. talks about almost as if the new self was clothing, you Mm -hmm. know, so throw away the dirty clothes, the old self and put on the new self. And though we are very different, uh, different cultures, languages, we've talked about that. We all do need to show up with clean robes, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. holiness, integrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think their worship of the lamb, they're, they're there and they're gathered around the, th- the throne, and that is what draws them together. That is what is their unifying force, is the worship of God the Father. Mm. And um, I really appreciate that 
vision because I really do think it's the only thing that can unify. Uh, so we've talked before about multicultural congregations and diversity mm-hmm. and and I feel like we always land on and it's hard and it's <laughs> exhausting and it's tiring and, you know, all of these real attributes to it, but there's something apart about we're a part of a heavenly host that is constantly worshiping God. And I've thought about it before in the way of, um, I talk with people sometimes that say like, they don't want to be a part of a church service or they don't want to be in realms, you know, where the church is, if it makes me uncomfortable, but then you say, well, like, do you want to go to heaven? You know, when you die, do you want to be in heaven? We know, yeah, I want to be in heaven when I die. (laughs) But like the things here on earth that are like our little taste of heaven or our little glimpse of heaven, you know, of worshiping together as the body, they're like, oh, but that makes me uncomfortable. Mm. It's like, you're probably going to be pretty uncomfortable in heaven (laughs) then too. Like that is what heaven is. It's all worship. It is all worship. It's all God. It is, you know, we've got these secular concepts of what heaven is, but what heaven is, is constantly glorifying and praising God. Right after that, episode it was very interesting we, we decided one of our best ones to select from these last 50 was the one right after that Let's just go down the list and start making yeah it. exactly and it was an event that we had called urban invasion and that was one where everyone in yeah. uh in the 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 group every worthless servant was there and and ministering and but in very different contexts we were in the same city but remember yeah. we're here in santo domingo Dominican Republic, uh, that's a city of 4 million, but there were five or six different neighborhoods or barrios, uh, that we were in. And so I don't, I don't remember exactly which one you were in. Yeah. In fact, I think, I don't remember the name of the, the neighborhood, but I think each one of us was involved in it with a different group that went to a, a different neighborhood. I remember mine, uh, we went and we, played a dominoes tournament. And I think I talked about it in the episode and that's just right. how like out of the box that is for, uh, urban ministry, you know, just set up a dominoes tournament. And we had, we had several people attend probably wasn't as well attend as they expected. Cause they, they set up like, uh, 20 tables, domino tables, I think. And we only filled maybe five of them, but it was just, just this fun time to, to get to know the community and talk with the community. And in this episode, um, we talk about the different opportunities that we had to see the creativity of the church in urban ministry. There were a lot of creative things happening and maybe you're going to hear a little bit of this clip and you're going to be like, that was so long ago because it's, <laughs> it's pre pandemic, honestly. Yeah. And we were out and about and there were definitely no masks that were being worn. Oh, man. Uh, but this was another time. This was a couple years back. Uh, but it was amazing to see the church, uh, people of all ages, by the way, we had yeah. children, we had um, some older adults majority teens, I would say, uh, that were involved, but we saw more than 150, 200 people that were mobilized and impacting these places. Pretty, pretty cool. So enjoy this one. That's episode 63, Urban Invasion. So they would organize an actual tournament and then invite people. And just right there, people were like, we're in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We were walking down the street and yelled up to some people in an apartment. Hey, we're going to play dominoes. The guy was like, wherever there's dominoes, that's where I'm going to (laughs) be. That's awesome. Well, and we should mention this was a holiday here. Uh Um, And so people gave of the 225 people gave of their holiday Mm -hmm. to work pretty hard. But it also 
had a built-in advantage because people were just able to say, Domino's? Okay, I'm not doing anything else. Mm-hmm. So what what were some other creative ways? And maybe Freya, you can tell us. I, I remember somebody had this huge, and I'm saying huge, like probably up to my waist, a top with, that had like six sides. A that spinning you could, top. A spinning top. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. They would just use in the middle of a sidewalk or something. What uh, was the idea? The idea was that all of the messages that were in the in that thing. <laughs> so each side each had... Each side had a, like a creative message. Sometimes uh, it would say, tell me a story. Or uh, it would say, give me a hug or something like that. So if it said, tell me a story, and that's the part that showed, was, was on top, then what would they tell? They would say, they would say, well, they would tell like Jesus story or something like that, but pretty pretty quick. quick, Yeah. 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 yeah, Like a short version. And so it was, and I think they would, they had gifts for the people. So yeah, it was pretty cool. There was one that did say, uh, you get a gift or something. Uh And so they had a small gift to give. Yes. Yeah, that was creative. There were people at the stoplights. Were any of you guys yeah. around there? Mm-hmm. We, I didn't go to the stoplight, but we had part of a team that was there at the stoplight. And they were highly amused <laughs> at the expressiveness that happened at <laughs> the stoplight. From, from, our from our people. people. Yeah, they had drums and like huge instruments and they were dancing mm-hmm. and so like not just holding up poster signs that say like Jesus love you but like signs that talked about Emily challenged the group to create signs that spoke directly into the character of God opposite of the billboards that were around us mm. so like there was a billboard that talked about like like the message of the billboard was sex sells so our our um, poster board said you are made in the image of God. Um, and so like that kind of intentionality of counterbalancing the messages they're receiving outside of it, but then also just the, the expressiveness of the people, the joy and excitement that caught people's attention. One guy like stopped his car. And if you've ever been to the Dominican Republic, you know, that's a really big deal. <laughs> so, <laughs> like um, they were out in the middle of the crosswalk, not just on the sides. And um, it got a lot of attention for people. A little context. I mean, we're in a very urban setting. And a lot of times the people that are at those places at the intersections I, I feel like they are annoying. They try to clean your windshield. They try to sell you things you don't need. And so we said, we'll go out there to those intersections, but we will bless and encourage and uh, sh- provide energy, not just ask for other people. You know, I thought it was amazing. It was, it was cool. And it showed the church can be joyful too. Like mm-hmm. it's not a boring place. Well, and I think one of the biggest, what I saw happen in that event is there were some really amazing stories of Jesus being shared with people. But what I saw happen in that space was there were people that started to see their city differently Mm. after that time. Mm -hmm. And that was like the whole entire reason, like Mm. we are going to go into these urban areas 
Um, but to know that a big piece of it is just to challenge the way we think about our city. And I know that there were people that just because they, that challenge of writing a poster board, right? Like I was standing and talking and at first they were just looking at me with blank faces. <laughs> and I said, think about the media that's around and you know, what are the things? And like they had, but you had to draw it out of them right. because it's so common in their own lives. Mm -hmm. Like they don't even know what they're being inundated with. And so like, as you start having that in the training sessions with them, you know, of like, so what are the messages that we hear in the city all the time? And then like, so you finally get them down. And so, so like, what does the Bible have to say about that? Not just like, don't do it. Like, what do we say then, you know? And I think it was the first time that they saw like there can be redemptive music in the city. You know, we are bombarded with music in Santo Domingo and everybody's got their speakers out and they're all playing the latest bachata and, and mm. merengue. And there's a lot of messages that are just mm. in the airwaves that are terrible messages. And so for them to just be singing some praise and worship to like counterbalance mm. some of that music, you know, I think it was the first time that some of those teens for sure, but even adults mm -hmm. thought there are redemptive things of it's not the music itself that is terrible. It's the message, right? So like, let's use music. We all love music, but let's put a, a beautiful lyric with it. Mm -hmm. And I think what God did in really reviving his church was yeah. was really interesting. And I love how you guys invited pastors. And and we do hope that pastors don't just say, oh, we're so glad that Frey and Suhey organized that. And, like, the, and then they don't do anything. Like We would love to hear that it continues to ripple. Mm -hmm. And that they say, I could do this in my own neighborhood. Like, Why do I have to wait until somebody else organizes it? And so we're really praying that God continues to use those seeds that were planted to even challenge our own church. Several months later, <laughs> things changed, my friend. And different worlds. <laughs> yes. Apart. Yes. And uh, we ourselves even had to record a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, we had to uh, really make sure that we were all feeling fine, um, that we were wearing masks, um, that we would socially distance, even as we would try to record. That even meant in some of our episodes that we started to record that uh, a few of us had to be in separate places. Uh, so we had to do virtual recording. Sound quality was uh, affected in yeah, that in those that was cases. Challenging. Yeah, but in uh, episode seventy six, we said we need to address the, what the entire world is um, is undergoing, and that's COVID. And so the title of seventy six is just COVID nineteen. And I think that what I like about this, there were a few after this that we started to talk about, like okay, in time of a pandemic. What does that mean for us in ministry? And what does this mean for us in, as far as like personally and renewing ourselves or family or whatever? We touch on some of those issues in this one. But what I like about this one is that it was like our first reaction. And we yeah. ourselves had just been in it for a few weeks, I think, if I'm, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's what I thought was interesting re-listening to this episode was that like, would I have said something different? if I knew then what I know now, Oh you know? no! not that I don't think we said anything bad in it, but it was just like we, as we recorded this episode, we were in the middle of figuring everything out ourselves. You know, we didn't have yeah. all the answers. We didn't have, we didn't know all the science that we know today, you know? And so I don't think we would have changed any of our answers, but it's just interesting to listen to like, yeah, that was the beginning of this thing. And, and this is how we reacted. The other thing I really like about this is we didn't just focus on the virus or the or the pandemic, we tried to challenge our listeners 
to think outside the box of how they can still be the church mm. in this in this time, still socially distanced. And we tried to encourage people to continue to be the church uh, in these difficult times. And and I like not focusing on like the so much negative or even here we have to we have to quarantine, we have to be shut up in our houses, but we're still the church. What does that look like? When you go back and and uh, and listen, uh, listener who is here and, and listen to this entire episode, you'll hear that come out. You'll hear uh, we were starting to become very um, frustrated with people in in our own uh, countries that just were basically saying ministry had to stop, and we, we that's we're not okay with that. And even during a pandemic, perhaps more, uh, we needed to be on mission in mission. Um, and mission needed to be in us. And so you'll hear that from us. That's the nature of our podcast. And, uh, and so I hope that you get a sense of that in this clip from episode 76, COVID-19. Uh, but most missionaries, in fact, I found we've been counseling a lot of missionaries of like, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't, yeah. I can't go and knock on somebody's door. I can't even touch yeah. the people that I'm trying to share the love of Christ with. And um, and so I think for me, that's been the biggest disruption. And obviously, we're in the beginning days of it, you know, of what's this look like? And, and to me, I kind of feel like this is provoking identity crisis of there's a certain amount of work that can be done, but how does it lead into what we really are called to do? You know, and I think that's a piece of why we wanted to talk about it on the podcast this morning, because for some people you can still do work online, but missionary work is hyper-relational and that's what's being threatened at this point in time. Mm -hmm. So identity crisis for me is kind of what's been... Welcome to homeschooling. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're all like, we got this under control. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, let's dive into that. Not necessarily the practical tips that we would maybe have for people in different contexts in ministry uh, or in missions. But really, first, let's talk about biblically, what is our response to like a spreading disease? Uh, and, and I don't know about you, but I've heard churches that have said, have faith and nothing will happen to you. Just declare it, you know, declare it. And I've heard other people that are more scared than I've ever seen them. And I and I think, wait, as Christians, I don't know that yeah. That that's how we need to be either. So what does the Bible tell us and, and kind of where should we come from, from a, a theological and biblical standpoint? Well, I was reminded of the, the passage in 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, the spirit of God, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid or afraid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. I think that's a good reminder to us that that if we're afraid or we feel panicked or prone to give in to this fear, uh, that's not from God because God gives us peace um, in, in these frightening circumstances, in any frightening circumstance. Um, his spirit gives us power to have courage, to think rationally, uh, to be obedient to how he's leading us in these times and in every situation. But he also gives us love and maybe that love looks different now so that we are socially distancing ourselves. Mm-hmm. But this really should be the the driving force behind everything we do as Christians is this love. And so what does it look like now? It may take a different form. But also this self-discipline, I think, is a, is a key thing also. It's very easy for us to, to give in to these emotions and to just follow the crowd. But um, to have the discipline that the, that the Spirit gives us 
to kind of resist some of these other things, to have this self-discipline to kind of take other people or other fellow human beings into consideration as well. Even though we may not feel sick, um, we can still carry this virus to other people. And that's where our love for them and our self-discipline comes into hand, uh, that we want to distance ourselves from them to protect them as well. As much as we may want to get our hands dirty, maybe literally, um, we have to think, is this the best thing to do right now? Because if we're sick, if the church gets sick, then there's really nothing we can do once this thing passes to, to help other people at the on the other side of it, um, or even now during it. Chelsea was reminding me yesterday that, that even though we can't literally be with some of the teens that we're mentoring, um, we can still call them or we can still text them and say, Hey, how's it going? How can, how can we encourage them through those things? How can we keep reminding them to wash their hands, to sanitize their homes, Mm -hmm. um, to kind of socially distance themselves from maybe their grandparents who haven't been feeling well, regardless of the, of the passing virus. So that as to not make them more sick, you know, just some of those reminders and encouragement to the church via technology, maybe. So. I like that because it's the power God gives us. It's not like the superhero power to be <laughs> reckless. Yeah. You know, it's a power, but he says he gives us power, love, and self-control or self-discipline. Yeah. And so the power that he gives us is through being able to, to really make good decisions and, and control or discipline our lives. Well, and I, I would even say, you know, on the topic of fear, you could have a whole entire podcast related to fear, you know, with yeah, that's this good. whole thing. I'll make that <laughs> <laughs> Part B of um, the podcast that we weren't going to have. But um, like, as I've been sitting and thinking about it biblically of the fear, like, I think one of my responses is I have very little fear right now. And like my anxiety is very well maintained. And I have asked the Lord every day to fill me with peace. And I almost think, not almost, I do think that that is the church's responsibility right now because our social mediums are trying to help us stay calm. But at the same time, like when they're like, don't be freaked out. And then all of a sudden numbers get bigger and it's like, why didn't you tell us we were supposed to be freaked out? Like it's the church's responsibility right now to say, we don't have to live in fear. But the reason we don't live in fear is not because of the virus and stuff. It's because we serve a God that is the Prince of Peace. And so like as the church, we need to be putting that into everything that we do. Like the encouragement of peace only can come from the church because God is peace. And I'm thinking about all the examples. The Bible says to us that all these people, they listened to the warnings and they also, they were obedient to those mm-hmm. warnings. For example, Noah, he was warned of the flood and he built the ark. Mm-hmm. Um, Joseph, he was warned of the drought mm-hmm. and he stored. And also Joseph and Mary, they were warned that Herod wanted to kill Jesus and they just left and they went to Egypt. Yeah. So the same, we are warned with this situation that everything that, that is happening. So I think we should be obedient and we should, you know, think about uh, trust God. Yes, but also be obedient to what the doctors has been telling A couple of episodes later, we decided to address uh, what in the Church of the Nazarene, we're calling the new missions paradigm. 
And so the title of that is New Paradigm Q&A. Now, I didn't select, when we were uh, thinking over the episodes, I didn't select our original where we talked about the new paradigm. That's several before, several episodes before. But uh, I chose this one because I actually feel like this got to be more practical. I don't know if you feel right. the same. Yeah, because we, we took questions from actual listeners and we addressed those questions. And that, the first one that t- just talked about the new paradigm was just basically going over what this new paradigm is. But in this one, we really got to dig in deep and like, what does this mean for me? Like, if I feel like I have a missions call, what does this mean for me? And I really liked us breaking it down in that in that way. I think, I hope we did a good job in, of explaining it more in depth in this episode. Yeah, I think so. And uh, obviously, if you'd like to uh, know more, man, we've got two entire episodes explaining what does this mean for mission support in our region, uh, in, in, in our denomination, honestly, uh, for mission sending. I mean, there's a lot there. You're only going to hear a few minutes of it, um, but we hope it'll it'll provoke you to, to go back and download and listen to this entire episode. What episode is that? That's 78, entitled New Paradigm Q&A. And so there's 12 steps of how we send a missionary. And step number six is preparation. And um, that's something that I think as the church, we kind of think exists in the missionary realms. But what the church has committed to is creating an actual missionary preparation track. And so all missionaries that are going to be going out will receive a very specific training on just being a missionary. And um, it's not something that's new, but they are definitely formalizing it. And so that's something that I think is really exciting that maybe would be easy to miss if you kind of thought it was already there. But they're creating so that the whole world, whenever they're sending missionaries from the Dominican or if we're sending a missionary from Nairobi or if we're sending a missionary from Germany, um, all of our Nazarene missionaries are going to be trained in the same realms. And so they're creating those um, classes and like how to deliver that training. So that's an exciting thing to see that the church is doing. Yeah. And I think along those same lines, like we don't require you to have previous ministry experience to start that process. I think that's really good news for Mm -hmm. a lot of people because me, when I felt the call to missions, I thought, well, I don't have any experience. I don't have Mm -hmm. any ministry experience either in my local church. So like, I I can't do this because Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not educated on this. And I think this is good news because we don't, require you to have knowledge or the education to be called into missions. And so our part of our, like you said, our training piece of this is that you will get the training and the education and the experience as you're going through this call. And as, as the denomination helps you develop your call to missions. And I really like that part of it too. Chelsea had mentioned uh, that one new thing that she saw was that we actually are funding the mission through outside grants and other other reasons. A lot of what you'll hear in the Church of the Nazarene is pretty much World Evangelism Fund, and rightly so. That's the main arm or the main way that we fund missions. But there are a lot of other ways creatively to fund missions, missions trips, missionaries, to send them out. Natalie, you're coming at this from a different standpoint. Yes, Um well, as you say, we were talking about last episode when we were talking about this, about the fan. It is a way we can actually uh, help them with money. But also, I was looking at the this page, Nazarene Org, and there is 
I think this is something really good to be able to see the profiles of the missionaries and um, get to know, like, get to know them a little bit because we are able to see their testimony, a little bit of their testimony. And also there is a part in there in there we can donate. Mm. So this is good. Um, we also can help them through the fan, but also we can log in to this page and help them and get to know them a little bit and help in their ministry. This is something huge. I mean, I think it's really good. There's another question here. It's kind of got a lot of prongs, I can say. Someone told me missionaries can do three things. Pioneer, develop, and resource. That's on online. That person has seen that online in our in, in our website. I feel called to be a medical doctor on the mission field, but I don't feel like I would fit into those three things. That's interesting, right? So pioneer, develop, and resources. And resource. Those are what a Nazarene missionary does. So what would we say to someone who's like, I feel called to be a medical doctor. I feel called to build or be an architect like like you, Natalie. What would we say to them? I feel like a, like a part of that being a medical doctor can be a part of resourcing in, in this person's three mm-hmm. part definition. Because as a medical doctor, you can be a resource mm-hmm. to those people. Exactly. And so I think that fits in perfectly. Or as a, as a construction worker, you can be a resource. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times that's what we are as missionaries, is a resource to the local church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it even fits uh, the pioneering and the developing. Some, some places we're able to get in, not by saying, holding the card or the the banner up and saying, we are missionaries going into that place. There are what we call creative access countries where we need medical doctors to be the pioneers to go there. And Mm -hmm. developing the church, if we are just a church that is speaking, that is preaching, but just with words, you know, a medical doctor can help us to say, or anyone in Compassionate Ministries to say, no, part of our message is healing. Part of our message is attending to these physical needs, you know? And so it's interesting now that I'm thinking about it, and now that you said that, AJ, I'm seeing them in all three of those areas, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think the church, not I think, I know the church would say that there is a lot of overlap on, it's not that one assignment fits directly into this one category. There is a lot of overlap on things like that. And um, it's it digs down just a little bit further because those are the three, like, things. They're, they're, those are very meta categories, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're really general, really big. Um, but then they also say that we have a focus in missions now. And again, some of this stuff is like, well, we've always done that. Yes, we've always done that. But now we're putting a vocabulary to mm-hmm. it so that yeah. we continue mm-hmm. to drive intentionally towards what we're trying to do in missions. And so the focus now is compassion, evangelism, and education. And I personally think it's a really great move to say there's going to be three focuses focus, that we continue to send missionaries to do these work because we're starting to become a global denomination. And so as you start to see some of those lines blur behind, what is local church responsibility? A nation that has a strong local church, there's things that they should be doing that missionaries shouldn't be doing anymore. So I think that the denomination is trying to say, there will be certain ministry things that we will always be able to send missionaries to do. But there's going to have nations that start to have the responsibility of the local church that take on church responsibilities. 
and if you'll rarely see in here, we might send a missionary to be a church planter, but you're hardly ever going to see the church commission a missionary to go be a pastor mm-hmm. of a place where somebody has already had a, a developed nation mm-hmm. where there is a district that's functioning. In pioneer places, yes, mm-hmm. you'll send a church planter, you'll send a pastor because it's a pioneer, but not in the areas where the church should be thriving and functioning. That's mm-hmm. that's come out of missionary mentality and gone into local church ministry mentality. So I think they're trying to make a little bit of that clarification. And that brings us to perhaps, AJ, our most talked about episode that we have ever done. Um, uh, I think maybe there have been others that have been more downloaded or uh, I don't know, but this one I think was the most shared and the one that literally as we are talking with different leaders that we hear the most uh, leaders say, Hey, that one meant a lot to me. And what was it about? It was about race. <laughs> it was about race. Yeah. It was it was right in the middle of of all that's going on in the United States and around the around the world this this racial awakening and uh, we interviewed Pastor Dario Richards and he even wrote an article about being awoke, you know, to to this racial um prejudice, the racial prejudices around the world and even in the church. And I would agree with you, it's probably one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. It's just just the way that Dario talks about it and the way he's able to to bring you like into this light of what it was like in his life and in his wife and Linda's life just as as missionaries as pastors and and how how race and prejudice they had to fight against that almost the whole way and things that I had never realized. And it's just, man, it just gets to you and gets, gets right to the root of, of everything. And, and it'll open your eyes. This is not a comfortable episode. No. Um, it's one of our better ones because we tackle some difficult things, but, um, I'm not going to say that it's just the one that's going to be easy because I mean, we had to all admit, you know, certain things in us. And of course, before the episode, God was working on all of us as a group and individually. Um, and having Pastor Dario, we should mention, he's a pastor in Barbados. Uh, he has served in our ministry team for many years um, and just a wonderful voice. And man, I would encourage you. I mean, you're going to get a picture of this, but it does not do it justice. Please. At all. <laughs> I mean, the, the very one after that is ethnocentrism, which you know, you think is exactly the same as maybe racism or whatever, but we try to look at that differently. And Dario stays on with us to, to do another episode. And so, um, this one you're going to hear, but please download the whole, the whole episode. You'll, you'll hear more context and probably be able to, to make sure that, uh, nothing is taken out of context either, but, um, man, you'll hear the passion and, uh, the vulnerability from, from our voices, from Dario's voice in this time. And, uh, that is episode 83 on race. I think my, my position is always to go to the biblical position from both ends. I think Jesus's response in Matthew in Matthew nine when he looked out upon the upon the crowds is really a position that both blacks and whites must take. You know how Jesus saw the crowds. When Jesus looked on the crowds, they were probably thieves. They were probably murderers. They were probably criminals. You know they were probably uh, racists out there. Uh, but the Bible doesn't say 
Um, that when Jesus looked at them, he saw thieves, robbers, and murderers. The Bible says that he saw sheep without a shepherd. You know, he he categorized them as a particular type of people who had a particular need. And why I love him saying they were sheep without a shepherd is because he was a good shepherd. And uh, he too saw himself as a potential solution to the need that he saw in this world. And I say that to say that we must see people for who they are and for where they are at, right? Um, the reason why a black person will have a negative response or a negative view to a white person now waking up to the reality of racism is because racism did not start yesterday. You know, this is this is this is four hundred plus years. You know, of consistent. It, it, it hasn't been that. You know, there have been breaks. There have been major events. You know, civil rights movement and you know, um, you know the the actual breakaway from slavery, etc. Et but in the black person's mind, like, how could you not see this for so long? That's a reality that's on their heart. If you don't acknowledge that, then you just start being insensitive again, but from a different perspective. You know, it's like me hurting my wife, and just because I say sorry, just because I say sorry, and she doesn't immediately respond the way that I want, I get upset because she hasn't forgiven me. No, you know, just because I said sorry doesn't lead to automatic forgiveness. There may be action and activity that must not follow that sorry um, for it to be real to her, especially if it is that I am apologizing for something that I have been doing for my entire marriage and she has complained about. You know, that's a, that's a different. All she's hearing again is a, is a you know, it's just words to try to pacify the situation. So, so from the white perspective, you got, you got to see that. You got to recognize um, that people would struggle to believe that for the last, for the hundreds of years, this thing has been happening and only here and now you see that. So you got to acknowledge that. That's a Christian perspective so that you can be, you can have, you can have um, sympathy, you can be sensitive, and you can also have empathy and understanding where this anger is coming from or where this frustration is coming from. But then from the Black perspective, from my perspective as well, I also have a Christian responsibility uh, to realize that, I mean, we are human, you know, uh, and that the root of racism is sin. And sin is not, sin is a pick and choose race, you know. If that white people were sinful from birth and not me, you know, there are sins too that I carry. There are things that I do wrong as well. Um, that I that I should have woken up to much earlier than I did. The difference between this sin and, and your sin is that your sin has historically been hurting me. Um, so I have a much more um, I have a much more negative response to it than if it was a sin that wasn't hurting anybody. And so I think on both ends that we need to look on this demographic, look on this crowd, and see them for who they are and where they are. Because we we must see them as Jesus saw them. Because it was only when Jesus saw them for who they were, that he was able to feel what he felt. You know, because he saw sheep without a shepherd, then the Bible says that he had compassion on them because he saw them correctly. And I think that's important for us. If we see each other correctly, then we can be more compassionate. Uh, we can be more sensitive and more purposeful in our responses. Um, so I think the steps that I would say is that we need to see people correctly, not just through the culture or through the media, uh, I have a real problem with the media telling Christians what to be aware of or what to be awoken to or how to be awoken. Um, it, it was, you know, and it goes back to that point of having similar enemies with different outcomes. When you can see one of the biggest 
abortion agencies in the world uh, will post Black Lives Matter and we value the life of the Black person. But you kill more Black babies than any other person in the whole world, you know, like common enemies, but definitely heading toward different results. That's why the media cannot shape our awareness. The media can't shape our awareness. I can't just respond because this is how the culture is responding. Christ expects a particular response from me. And that is one of truth and grace, grace and truth. And I have to give that to you in the expectation that you give that to me as well. Um, so see correctly. And as we see correctly, we can feel correctly. You know, so we see what Jesus saw. We feel what Jesus feel. And then we have the opportunity to do what Jesus did. And what Jesus did in that same portion is he began by prayer. He began by commanding, pray, you know, ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. You know, there, this is no uh, quote-unquote mission field. This is a place that deep reconciliation is necessary, not just for the sake or the purpose of two races living at peace again, but with the understanding that I strongly believe that the fulfillment of the plan and the purposes of God for his church cannot be, cannot be achieved in silos. Our reconciliation is important for the purposes of God to be fulfilled in the way that he has intended. There's a value that you bring that I don't bring. There's a value that I bring that you don't bring. And if we remain divided, we can't have these things working together for the glory of God. So the reconciliation is beyond me feeling better about how you view me as a black person but it goes much deeper than just acknowledging me. It goes acknowledging me, not just that my life matters, but my ideas matter. You know, my, my, my sense of purpose matter, my quote-unquote uh, influence and leadership and the skills that I bring matter. And yours matter as well. How do we pull these together to do what it is that God has called us to do? So if we see what Jesus saw, we feel what Jesus felt, and we did what Jesus do. Uh, command people to pray, but more than that, actually begin to mobilize them into the field and to become voices of change, voices of truth, uh, voices of salt and light. I think we, we begin the process there, but we've got, we, we must see clearly from the beginning, uh, see with empathy. All right. My goodness. Uh, that was a way to end it, man. Uh, we've tackled some serious, serious things issues in in the past and um if you're just listening to this maybe you're coming into this and you're like hey someone told me about this it was uh the last three episodes is really what i've been able to hear well you've gotten you've gotten a glimpse into what Hmm. what this podcast is about and who we are as the worthless servants. Uh, but we want you to share it. Uh, remember you can share it, uh, and, and visit us at mesoamericagenesis.org, but you can also, uh, share our Facebook page and, uh, invite other people and, uh, it went, just download it uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google play, wherever you can find podcasts. We're on there and, um, tell someone about us, but our desire, honestly, our desire is just that churches would be more effective uh, that people would be reached, that missionaries would be sent. This is our goal. That's the reason we do what we're doing. And so uh, next episode, you're going to hear uh, kind of a more normal episode than the last three, perhaps. Our hope was to at least give you to give you a little bit of an idea of who we are by highlighting a few of the last episodes in these, in these last two episodes. Uh, times together. Without further ado, I think we're going to sign off. Uh, We are the Worthless Servants, and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm AJ Fry. And we will talk to you next time.
For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.